everyone. We are back with more Rumcast. We are, of course, the podcast that talks all things rum related with the people who shape it. I am John Gullah. He is Will Hookinga. And we have a wonderful episode lined up for you today. But of course, before that, Will, tell me what's going on in your corner of the rum world lately. Hey, John. I am good. I am getting ready to rush off and get my bags packed because we're recording this on a Thursday. Tomorrow is Friday. I will be jetting off to New York City for the New York Rum Festival and Congress, which I'm looking Mm, forward to. Making me jealous. Yeah, Yeah, hopefully seeing uh, a few familiar rum faces in person after a while of being apart. So I'm looking forward to that. And yeah, I'm actually like I'm packing a bag the night before. I'm feeling kind of on top of things. So I'm feeling good. Yeah. What's going on with you? I'm good. You know, it's been a busy week here, too, and a busy month. It's, uh, you know, my, my day job at the university. It's move-in week for orientation, all things happening for us. So mm. there's a lot going on. College uh, memories and, uh, coming back. Oh, yeah. It's just a, it's a time of year when there's uh, less opportunity to drink rum, but when you do get to drink rum, it really counts. You savor it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So not a whole lot in the way of lately this week and stuff, but I know I did want to do something. I did this thing a long time ago. I want to redo it again because as we were talking with our interview today with Craig Nicholson from Worthy Park, it reminded me that I loved Rum Bar Overproof mm-hmm. with Ting. And so, you know, of course, Ray and Ting That's is usually, usually I was like, about to say, yeah. you usually hear something else in Ting. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, is it sacrilegious for me to love Rumbar Overproof and Ting? I don't think um, so. Uh, because it's, I, I really loved it when I did it in like the comparison. I don't know if this is like the, the Ting challenge or whatever that some people I've seen online have done between uh, Ray and Ting and then uh, Rumbar Overproof and then Rumfire. Rumfire. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's always a fun exercise, but I want to go back to that because right. it's been a while since I've done it. And so you hey, got to we'll do it at least like at least once a year or, or maybe yeah. once a month during the summer, you know, <laughs> just to just to be sure you still know. I'll tell you what, after this busy week, I'm, I'm ready to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so this weekend seems like the prime time to do it. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And we'll see if Rumbar Overproof reigns supreme still. Right. If it uh, still has me. the crown. Yeah. I love it. And I'm really excited. You mentioned we talked to Craig Nicholson for this interview. Craig is the new quality control manager and senior blender at Worthy Park. And he's only been in that position for a couple of months. So it was really cool to kind of get a different perspective. Uh, Listeners may remember that we had Zan Kong from Worthy Park on the podcast previously. And as I note during the interview, it hit me while we were in the middle of talking to Craig This is the first time we have talked to two individuals who work at the same distillery or brand, which is kind of a a cool milestone, I feel like. And, you know, if you had asked me at the beginning of the podcast who the, you know, first brand we'd interview someone twice for, like Worthy Park would be on the short list of predictions I probably would have had. So I feel like, you know, (laughs) it was a a fitting progression and a, a, a cool moment. So, to, to provide a little bit of background for listeners. So, A, it's cool to talk to Craig because he's well, he's on the ground floor, like doing production things at Worthy Park. So he, you know, from the jump offers a different perspective. But he also, Worthy Park is not his first rodeo in the rum business, specifically the Jamaican rum business. Because right, right. we mentioned in the interview, he previously worked at National Rums of Jamaica. And we referenced some of the different distilleries associated with National Rums of Jamaica. And I know this can be kind of confusing 
confusing at first. You know, if you're just kind of getting to know Jamaican rum, maybe you've heard of some of these distilleries, but you're like, what's National Rums of Jamaica? What's Long Pond? What's Claire? Like, how are these all related? So I wanted to clear that up in advance of the interview. So when you hear National Rums of Jamaica, that entity operates both the Long Pond Distillery and the Clarendon Distillery. And then on top of that, National Rums of Jamaica, there's there's three entities that own one third each of the company. So one third right. of it is owned uh, is state owned by Jamaica. One third of it is owned by Demerara Distillers Limited from Guyana, which you know we we reference uh, often. And the other third is owned by Maison Ferran, the owners of Plantation Rum. So. Uh, that's just kind of like, I feel like you throw out one of one, like national rums of Jamaica or a long pond. And then like, people are kind of confused yeah. as to like, you know, what's what, what's the distillery, what's the brand. So I wanted to clear that up a little bit, but basically all that is to say, Craig has worked in several distilleries in Jamaica, including Long Pond, including Clarendon. So he's gotten a window into all the different ways these distilleries work. And it's really cool to have the opportunity to talk to someone with that technical background and get, you know, their their perspective, their insight on Jamaican rum, because so often we we don't get that side of things when we when we talk to brands. So yeah. uh, I think this is a really cool interview for those purposes. And I'm looking forward to people hearing it. And at the same time, it was interesting because, he, like you mentioned, he's so new to Worthy Park mm-hmm. right now. He has that long history of, of Jamaican rum and, and being involved with it, but now is at a completely new setting with Worthy Park. And so it was fun to talk to him and get his um, almost like first impressions here yeah. in a way of Worthy Park with uh, his background being what it is. So I thought that was a, a unique aspect to this interview. And Craig was a fun guy. And uh, I loved uh, his his commitment level to the rapid fire. Oh, absolutely. Was fun. Yeah, so, I don't want to spoil it. But I mean, yeah. we went into that segment saying, you know, Zan really set the bar exactly. high. And, and Craig came in and matched it. So that was cool. Yeah. And also, you know, on top of that, now it's just a good time to talk to Worthy Park anyway, because they have some new stuff going on, some new mm-hmm. releases that have just been making their way into various markets around the world. And some, in, you know, interesting kind of like things in development behind the scenes mm-hmm. that, that, that mm-hmm. Craig talks about a little bit. So. Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah, no spoilers, but uh, I think, you know, if you are someone who enjoys Jamaican rum, enjoys Worthy Park, and if you're listening to this podcast, like, who doesn't? Come on, you know, yeah, you'll yeah. enjoy this. So I'm looking forward to, to people hearing it and getting to know Craig a little bit more. So uh, let's jump right in. So we are here with Craig Nicholson, quality control manager and senior blender at Worthy Park. And I actually, just before we got on this call, I realized this is, in fact, the first time we've ever had a second guest associated with a single distillery mm. on the show before. So Worthy Park takes that honor. And uh, actually, it was Zan Kong from Worthy Park that we had on earlier. And Craig, I remember when Zan connected us over email, I think he said uh, something to the effect of, the Rumcast wants more Worthy Park content and everyone is sick of hearing my voice, which is totally <laughs> not true. Um, but having not said true. that, yeah, we, we are really excited, though, to get kind of a, a totally different perspective on Worthy Park and Jamaican rum more broadly. 
um, especially since you've you've kind of just arrived at Worthy Park. I think you've you've been there for around four months now. Is that correct? Um, actually, no. I've this this is just my two months. Two months. Two months. Wow. Okay. So yes. even fresher. Yes. So um, first of all, welcome to the show. But second, how how are you That's feeling awesome. now? Two months in, do you still feel kind of like the new guy, or do you kind of feel like you've gotten into a groove? How has that been going for you? Honestly, um, the team here has welcomed me um, with open arms, and I feel really comfortable. Um, to be honest, I don't feel uh, ever since my first week, I did not feel like the new guy. Um, they, so no hazing or anything like that. No hazing, <laughs> no nothing. Um, so I'm I'm thankful for that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I I feel like I have been settling in pretty good, and I'm feeling really comfortable, and I'm feeling ready to to, to continue the legacy that Worthy Park has started to establish. Awesome. Well, before we we're, we're obviously going to talk a lot about Worthy Park and, and your experience in Jamaican rum. Before we get into all of that, though, I, I always like to hear kind of like the the beginning um how, how did you get your professional start in rum you know what made you want to go into the industry was it something you had a passion for before was this always the plan or take us through that that journey of how you got into this in the first place well um i like to tell anybody i actually grew up around rum um mm-hmm. my father worked in the sugar industry he worked at monument sugar estate okay or um ever since i was like maybe four years old five years wow. old <laughs> So I have been around sugar and distilleries for the longest time. And I remember when I was leaving high school um, to go off to university, the production manager at um, the distillery at Money Musk at the time, he pretty much told me, he stopped me in the street one day and said, you're going to come to work for me one day. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So so after leaving university, um, that was actually my very first job. It was my first summer job as well. While at university, it was my first summer job working at the distillery. I started working there um, as a as a stores clerk, just okay. entering the material stores at the time. And then when I left university, I went there as a management trainee. So that's how my journey room started. But it, it's it's always been something I've been interested in. Of course, I've always liked drinking it. <laughs> sure, that helps. Yeah. It does help. Um, but as a, a scientist, I've always been, you know, more intrigued. So I've always wanted to learn more about the ins and the outs of the business. So even before I started, um, I knew I was going into the business. I always, I was always reading up stuff. I was always, I just always wanted to know what was going on in the world of Rome. And it just transitioned into there. <laughs> That's really cool. So you in college, you studied the sciences then. Um, what was your yes. focus specifically? Um, actually, I did a Bachelor of Basic Medical Sciences specializing in biochemistry. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. mm. Through that, I did. Uh, I was friends with a lot of um, other students there that did a ethanol course that is designed at the University of the West Indies. So I, I wasn't a part of the course officially, <laughs> but I was always <laughs> assisting them with their projects. I was always yeah. um, helping them as a regular to beer or alcohol or, or rum. Um, from there, my interest kind of grew. So I was, I was kind of sad I wasn't in the course officially, but I still learned a lot from it. And, and growing up, you know, you said you grew up around rum. Um, your father worked for uh, in, in sugar for Money Musk. Um, what were kind of the, the, the rums that were most around you growing up? Well, typically, you always saw Appleton and Rendezvous. 
that okay. those were like the the rums that you knew mm-hmm. back in the day. And you said it was an ethanol course, right? That's like, uh, I imagine maybe a lot of people sign up for that thinking it's the one thing and maybe it's not. <laughs> <laughs> not me- Actually, it, it was a pretty small group um, of just about like 20, 30 students in total. But it's, it's something they do every year. Um, they organize trips to breweries, different distilleries as well. It, it's a good introduction to the world of ethanol. And it's a good introduction for, to anyone who wants to go into the, um, the rum industry. So uh, transitioning now, and, and you, you, so you're a rum purist. You've been with the rum your entire professional career. And now, as yes, you mentioned, you're, you're just a couple of months now into this new fascinating position at Worthy Park. And so uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you with that was, what are your first priorities when you're coming into that role at a different distillery? And how are you getting to know the processes and the distillates at a deeper level? So my approach is always, whenever I'm going into anything new, is to learn the systems that are already in place. Um, I'm not about to come in and change things immediately. Um, so I want to know the systems that are in place. And I spend a lot of time talking to the guys on the ground, um, the production staff, the bottling staff. I speak with them so I can get a feel of what the environment is like, what the culture of the place is like as well. Of course, um, speaking with various other managers, other supervisors. So for the like the first month, I spent a good time just talking to people, getting used to the processes, getting used to the the, the procedures that um that they have here at Worthy Park. Because as much as each distillery in Jamaica is very similar in terms of how we produce our rums, everybody has their own little differences, their own nuances. So I just wanted to ensure that I learned Worthy Parks before I even decided, hey, maybe I can change something. I don't know. Right. <laughs> you don't want to come in the door and be like, all right, stand back, everybody. Craig Nicholson is <laughs> <Exactly>. here. <laughs> I'm easing into it. I'm easing into it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've read that actually in a couple of like leadership books and, and things that they say that that's the, the best approach to come in, observe, investigate a little bit, and then you kind of ease, right. like you said, into it. It makes total sense. I, I get it. So I know one of your titles also is quality control manager. So I I wanted to ask, as quality control manager, is it (laughs) fair to say that the contents of every single bottle have somehow been blessed by you before it leaves the Worthy Park estate? I feel like we picture we picture Craig sitting at the end of like an assembly line, (laughs) like a conveyor belt, and him like picking up every bottle and kind of inspecting Uh, it before it gets sent off into the world. not every not every bottle, but I do spend a good amount of time <laughs> um, at the end of the production line just to ensure that you know the bottles are good. But a part of um, a part of quality control is not just me doing it, but also having everyone else around me understanding the importance of um, of quality control as well, right. because um, we're all busy people. We all have a million of thing, million things to do on a daily basis, so I can't always be on the line. Um, so it's important that the workers on the line, the supervisors, the line staff, all of them understand the importance of quality. So that's one of the things that I've also been doing is like, you know, getting that to them to, so that they, so they will be my eyes um, for me. So I don't have to worry. If I have to be absent for a day, then I can know that, listen, the product is still going to be in good hands because everybody knows what it is that we want to achieve. So it's like, in a way, your job is to make everybody quality control managers. <laughs> that's, that's exactly how I see it. That is yeah. exactly how I see it. Yeah. That's a good approach. I like it. It shows. 
Craig, I'm interested in, you know, Worthy Park, the, the sort of the modern era of production at Worthy Park um, is, is, is relatively new. W- when did it first kind of get on your radar as someone who, you know, is just a, a, a fan of rum? And do you kind of remember what your first experiences were like with Worthy Park rum? I can remember distinctly. I, I was in college and there are lots of parties at UE, just so you know. And we just we started hearing of this new rum that was coming about called the Rum Bar that wanted to sponsor all of these parties. So I remember specifically um, going to one of these parties and just seeing Rum Bar everywhere. Like it was everywhere. Every place you turned, there was Rum Bar. And it just became such a staple on the campus after a while. And I was like, yo, where did this Rum Bar come from? So being the enthusiast that I am, I always do my research. I was like, oh, it's made by Worthy Park, Worthy Park. I, I only knew Worthy Park as a sugar um, factory back in back then. Right. And I was like, oh, they've started making rum. So Worthy Park has basically been on my radar ever since they launched um, the rum bar overproof rum. And I've been following all the releases since then. Yeah, that's that's fascinating, especially because, you know, you you discover this new brand and then but it it's it's part of this estate that's had a presence for so long, you know, from the sugar exactly. and also the the history of, of rum uh, in previous eras. So you were previously at National Rums of Jamaica. You've you've had experience at uh, Clarendon, at Long Pond. Um, I think the 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 facility at Innswood as well. Um, that is right. <laughs> so you were involved in in distilleries that have you know been active much longer than Worthy Park during this kind of modern era that we're talking about. I'm curious so far, what are kind of the biggest differences between working at a place that has only been actively distilling since around 2004 versus places with practices that have been, you know, you talked about coming in and wanting to get to know the systems and stuff. I'm mm-hmm. interested in just if if those are as, since they don't go back as far necessarily as some of the older distilleries, are, are things right. a little more, I don't want to say work in progress because, you know, people <laughs> there know what they're doing, but what what is the kind of the difference between that? The main difference that I've seen is um, just the traditional types of, for example, um, processes like fermentation. Um, so, for example, at, at Long Pond, Long Pond is still using fermentation practices that they have been using since inception for o- over 200 years. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're still carrying that through. Of course, there is a more modern flair to it because, you know, we have to move it with the times. You have to move with with technology. So that's the main difference. But Worthy Park, the operations at Worthy Park, as I said before, um, the operations across all the distilleries, they are fairly similar. Fermentation practices are pretty similar. How you deal with each ferment is might be slightly different. Everybody has their own little way of doing their thing. But the overall processes are very familiar. So it didn't take me too long to understand the, the process here at Worthy Park. And in terms of the difference between uh, a long pond and a Worthy Park, it really is just like traditional differences. Worthy Park is new, so they, they use a lot of um, a lot more nuanced practices. Long Pond still maintains their traditional methods because that is the room that Long Pond is known to make. I feel like I've I recall hearing that there there's a, a decent amount of like automation and things like that in, incorporated into distillation at Worthy Park. Is 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 that yes. correct? Am I remembering that right? That is correct. Um, so it's 
it's the first time for me seeing an automated pot sale because okay. um, I'm used to pot sales being, being very manual. But um, the automation overall is not new because I had experience running the column sale at Clarendon Distillers, which is also automated. Okay. So the, the general principles apply. You set your controls, you know what it is that you want to take off. So you try to maintain those controls, basically. Yeah. And with you also doing the blending at Worthy Park now, I, I know the previous places had both pot and column still, whereas Worthy Park is solely pot still. Are there challenges or advantages to you as a blender working with just pot still? Does it present a different kind of way to put it together? I would say it makes it a little bit easier for me. Okay, <laughs> because I'm already dealing with pots. <laughs> I'm already dealing with pots. Um, with columns, columns can be very versatile, but one of the things that is so unique with Worthy Park is how versatile the pot still actually is here. Mm-hmm. So it, it still gives me a lot of room to play in terms of the types of rum that I can get to blend with. Um, but it also eliminates a whole bunch of rums that from the column that I have to, that I have to contend with as well. So in a way, it does make things um, a little bit easier. And it's it also makes it easier in knowing and understanding the different rums um, that are produced yeah. from um, on the pot. When I was dealing with a column still, um, when you have so many different rums coming off of it, you had to spend so much time dedicated to learn all of these different marks. With Worthy Park, since it's just limited to pots, I can concentrate and hone in a shorter scale, so to, a shorter time, so to speak, so I can really understand the rooms that are produced here. Yeah, it, it almost seems like it's it's working within a tighter spectrum, but not yes. to mistake that with the lack of versatility or anything like that, because you're able to exactly. tweak a little bit more within that spectrum. Right. I right. See. Yeah. And and I'm remembering. I think there are five different marks currently at Worthy Park. Is that correct? Um, that is correct. There's the L, the UL, the H, the M, and uh, can do this with, yes. Okay. And, and so when you come into this new role, I, I feel like people outside the industry who are just fans like John and I just imagine you kind of walking <laughs> in and like, you know, all the, the different marks are set up for you, you know, <laughs> all, you know, unaged and uh, at various ages. And you're just kind of like the tasty, choir like, singing in the what, background. <laughs> what, yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. yeah. What, what is the process actually like when you come in? And I imagine, you know, I, I'm sure you've had exposure to some of these rums prior, but maybe you haven't had, you know, every single mark at, you know, all the different ages and, and blended together in different combinations. Like, how do you begin that process of really getting to know the distillate? Uh, like, it, do you do you have a, a regimented approach to it? Or, you know, is it just kind of like slowly acclimating yourself? What does that look like? It's, it's a little bit of both. It's balancing my time because I have to be on the ground a lot. Mm. Um, but also, it also takes a lot of time to focus on each individual um, mark so whenever i do have some time i have samples here as i will go through um i got them from the lab um i compare them with like their their gc so i will take time to go through each individual mark whenever i can and i will do that like a few times per week um just so that i can get really accustomed to it but also because I'm always on the go as well. I can't just always be at my desk sitting down smelling rum. I wish I could. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what everyone imagines, yeah. you know, yeah. when they Dream hear about job. your job. 
believe me, that's what everybody thinks. Everybody <laughs> thinks, oh, you're a blender. Oh, you, you drink chrome for a living. Uh, it's, it's, it's not that simple. I wish it was that simple. <laughs> <laughs> but over time, over time, just working on the different um, blends, working on the, um, the different um, brands that we put out, you get to develop a sense um, as you go along. So I'm not going to say I'm, I'm an expert. I'm, I'm always learning. So I'm still in my, lear- in my learning curve right now. I'm excited to see where I go from here. Do yeah. you, I don't know if you even think in terms like this, but do you have a favorite mark or anything like that? I feel like that's something that people probably ask you a lot, but I'm just <laughs> curious, like, you know, maybe you don't want to, maybe it's kind of like saying, you know, a favorite child or something like mm. that, and you don't want to label one like that, but I'm interested just how you feel about that. <laughs> I am very partial to like middle of the road rooms. Yes, you and um, me both, yes. So I would go for the WPM. Okay. Yes! Uh, yeah yeah it wasn't until recently that i had my first i I think it was uh john that that velier sample that jay sent us of the it was a 100 wpm release i forget the age on it but that was my first pure wpm or age wpm experience and i was just like okay this is my favorite worthy park when i had that one so (laughs) and and don't get it wrong i mean the wpl releases that are already out for worthy park are some of my favorites of all time so let's let's make sure we're not we're not saying here you go you got some in and me too i have i'm i'm partaking as well (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but there is a difference in the WPM, that 100% WPM. That's a Florida Rum Society uh, release. I know it's part of a release, special releases uh, that Worthy Park is doing that I'm super excited for because that one will be available in my area. Really, really, really great. And I just, I felt like it was Worthy Park the, that I knew, but just amped up a slight bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. yeah. Craig's yes. nodding his head. Yeah. Yeah. Tuned up a little yes. bit, you know? <laughs> And uh, so I'm really excited that people will be able to get their hands on that soon through those various releases. And that's going to be great. I I wanted to, uh, Craig, I want to take a step back and ask a little bit more about the blending. We've spoken to blenders in the past, and they have all mentioned how important it is for blending to be consistent. And that that, that's a core piece of their job. Do you have a, a core philosophy or an approach when it comes to blending? And how important is that to you? Um, you just said it, consistency. <laughs> yeah. That is that is what I, I always strive for. Um, ever since I was introduced to the world of blending, I always knew that anything that I put out, I need to make sure that years down the line, it will be matched up with what I started off with. So I always strive for that consistency. So there are times when I will even... Um, whenever we're, for example, dumping the barrels to do specific blends or so, I will go over and I will like inspect each individual barrel because I know that like one barrel can make an in, a, a huge difference in, in the entire blend. Yeah. So I will do that as well, just because I want to ensure that my product is consistent. And especially coming into coming into a um, a company that has established itself already. I don't want to mess that up. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. So I want to ensure that the products that are coming from Worthy Park maintain that consistency and anything new that I put out should fall within that same ballpark. Right. And and we know that over time, you know, especially longer periods of time, blends can adjust slightly over time. And so I always wonder if there's like, if if that comes that 
flavor drift, if you will, comes from a blender saying, you know what? This is just slightly better. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> edge towards that, and we're gonna keep going and and do that. But a- anyway, I I think it's like you said, a, a core piece of the job is to to deliver that experience consistently. And it's interesting for you saying you're coming into this knowing the pressure you feel. Oh gosh, this is a really <laughs> great product, and now it's on me to keep that up. So I, I want to try to get a little bit more technical into it. How does that process actually occur? Like if you could give us just a few points of how that actually physically manifests and how that happens. <laughs> All right. Um, so of course, um, organoleptics um, are huge in terms of um, nosing, tasting, but we, um, we also pay very close attention to what the lab is telling us as well. So our GC readouts mm. are very important. So gotcha. it's it's a it's a balancing act. I I always tell people that blending is a nice mix of science and a little bit of art. You need to have a bit of creativity whenever you're going into um going into creating a blend. It's just like cooking. Like you, you're going to create a new meal. Yeah, you have to see what ingredients work together. But at the same time, you don't want ingredients that are totally going to clash. So you rely a little bit on your science knowledge to know that oh, I can't mix A and I can't mix B. But if I throw a little bit of C in there it can work together. So really it is a balancing act between what the what the science is telling me and what my nose is telling me. Do you like to cook at all? Yes, I do. I it, do. it seems like I, I had made the connection before, but I can I, totally see that carrying over. I made some awesome banana bread the other day and I'm very happy about it. <laughs> I love that you mentioned banana bread because I'm I'm drinking the the estate reserve from Worthy Park. And when I introduce this to someone for the first time, one of the things I say is like, this is like liquid banana bread for me. Yes. Um, yes. So, wow, that, that goes hand in hand. It does. It does. It's like, <laughs> um, it's like that, that known taste of Worthy Park. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So... You know, speaking to some of the challenges as as a blender, one of the things that I always like to talk to blenders about is sort of that balancing act between what the market is asking you for and what you think is great. And I remember when we had Zan on the podcast, he talked about telling the production team that they were planning to do um, a two-year-old cask strength WPE uh, with Velier, and he I th- he specifically said everyone kind of looked at him like he was crazy uh, about you know doing that as a release. So h- how do you kind of how do you think about you know aiming for what you think is great versus also you know needing to make sure you're pointing toward what the market is telling you it wants? I I go off of um, like I follow lots of rum blogs, um, rum pages on social media, everything. So. I, I read a lot. I see a lot of people are commenting on, like, on Facebook posts, everything. Uh-huh. So I soak all of that in. I also just like look for general alcohol trends across across the world. Like I read various articles, good or bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Just, just to get an idea um, of what it is that what the palette overall is like. So um, using that and then what I like, I will, I will tend to like tweak it. Because yes, not everything that I like, everybody else is gonna like. Right. And the main the main goal is to get something that um, producers, I, I mean, not, not producers, consumers, mm-hmm. the consumers really want. And what happens is that each location or each country or each area has different tastes. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I know, like, just based on experience so far, um, Dorothy Park One Hundred Nine, it's loved abroad. 
Like, definitely. I mean, it's one of my favorite rums, I will admit. But I may be one of the few Jamaicans that will say that because the Jamaican palate is totally different. Right, right. Compared to, compared to um, an overseas palate. So depending on that as well, you also have to look at what market you're going into. Um, so I know I'm not going to push like a really harsh, if I'm going to put out a new white rum, for example, I'm not going to push like a really harsh, strong, um, overpouring um, white rum in one market. But I know that if I put that in Jamaica, you're going to love that because Jamaica is a white rum market. It's so like expectations. It, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So it's balancing what I want with what the consumers want. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I think there's always kind of that, that dance between wanting to, to know, you know, what people are looking for, but people don't always know exactly what they're looking for, or they, yes. they don't always have yes. the, the words to describe it. Um, I'm speaking it, right? for myself in those terms too. <laughs> um, I think it's like that. I actually don't even know if this is a real quote, but people always bring it up in these situations. The Henry Ford quote of like, if I listened to what people want, they would have said, give me a faster horse or whatever. So, <laughs> you know, it's listening, but also still have, you know, know, putting your own creative vision and, and things into it. So, Craig, you mentioned the 109 and you beat me too. Yes. I was just about to come to this <laughs> in the questioning. Uh, so I know there's two new releases uh, from Worthy Park, the 109, as you mentioned, and then the Select. And right. I think both of those have made pretty big splashes uh, in the rum world lately. So I know, obviously, you are just walking into things, as we mentioned, but how excited are you all in expanding your lineup with those? And what have you been hearing? You mentioned the European market. What have you been hearing at a large you know, scale about those two releases? All right. So far, I will say that the, the feedback has been pretty positive um, from my end. Um, as I said, I, I absolutely adore the 109. And the, the Select is, is right up there. I remember I, I actually got a bottle and I brought it around some friends. And I think in half of it was done. <laughs> uh, yeah. Session um, rum. It's the best feedback. According to Ian Burrell, it's a session rum. That is, that is the best feedback. <laughs> that is true. So I am pretty excited to see where the, um, these rums can go. They're both pretty They're both pretty new on the market. And I, can, I see really good scope for growth for both of them. And anything, I, I just feel like anything new... What, well, what I love about Worthy Park is that they've, they've, we've created such a buzz around our products um, because we know we are known for our quality products. So when a new product is released, people really want to know. People are amped up for it. And I just really want to continue that trend. I, wanna, I want people to know that, oh, Worthy Park is coming out with, um, let's say, a new 15-year-old or they have a 20-year-old coming down the line. Like, really get people amped up. Um, but the feedback for the for the 109 and the select has been has been remarkable so far, and I'm I'm very happy about it. Where where do you as a fan of the 109? What where do you think it kind of shines as a rum? Like if someone is listening to this and maybe they just picked up a bottle, um, or maybe they haven't yet. What are, what are your go to kind of recommendations for getting to know? Obviously, you know John and I will always recommend you know when you get the bottle, crack it open. No matter no matter how expensive <laughs> it is, whatever, just try it on its own first That's and right. see what you think. But but what, what do you kind of see? It really is a good mixer. It it is an awesome mixer. Um, so th that is where it shines. I, well, I'm a, I'm a rum purist. I like drinking rum by itself. I like drinking rum neat or on the rocks, no matter what type of rum, from a white rum, come all the way down. Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, the World of Park 109 definitely is an excellent mixer um, for various cocktails, 
Um, I actually have a friend. She she does like various cocktail mixes that she sells on the market. Oh, cool. Um, small scale. And I introduced her, I made her taste some, and she's like, she's going to be looking at doing some stuff with this. Yeah. So because of just how well it took, um, took on to anything that, that she was trying. Well, I'm looking forward to, to getting my hands on some. I know it should it should be around me soon. So I'm going to keep You'll an enjoy eye on it. You will yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we talked a little bit about this earlier with the Worthy Park mediums that are are heading into the market hopefully very soon with those uh, single releases. Or I, I don't know what the actual name of that series is. If it's a cask release program, I'm not 100% sure. Single barrel, single barrel releases. Got it. So And I know a couple of those are Worthy Park Medium, not all of them, I believe. And I know that they're various years aged. So there's almost going to be a collector's phenomenon coming out there. I can already <laughs> see it coming. But we mentioned that Worthy Park Light has been the mark that has been by far what's been released on the market up to now for the most part. And so I know Worthy Park Medium is roughly double the ester count of the Worthy Park Light, but still not what most would consider to be a high ester rum either, right? Right. As we mentioned, kind of the the middle of the road there uh, with, I I think it's around 120 to 239 grams per hectoliter. That's why they call it medium. Exactly. (laughs) It's in the name. I, I just wanted to ask you a little bit more about how you would characterize the difference in the Worthy Park medium mark, nose, the palate, the overall experience for those who probably haven't had a chance to try that yet, but are very familiar with the Worthy Park light. All right. So as I, I think you actually said it um, perfectly um, earlier, where it's like the light, but it's it's pumped up. It's pumped up a few, um, a few notches. Um, so you still get that traditional that signature worthy part those fruity undertones but you get that uh, that additional punch of sweetness coming through from the additional essays that are that are in there so it um i think anybody who enjoys worthy park is going to enjoy it like generally they're 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 going to feel like they're getting uh, some extra <laughs> yeah John, John mentioned, you know, high ester rum just then. And I think anytime the topic of high ester rum comes up, rum enthusiasts are always so interested in the production of that rum. Uh, I think there's, there's a lot of, you know, confusion or, or, you know, sometimes like myth making around how those sorts of mm. rums are made. I know at uh, National Rums of Jamaica, you know, they're they're using dunder, they're using muck pits, they're using what they call high ester charges in, in the production of that rum. What are what are Worthy Park's processes for its high ester marks like? Are, are are they you know you spoke earlier to the way rum is made in Jamaica is is kind of similar across the board, but you know each place has kind of its own particular little spins on on different you know practices and things like that. So in what ways are the high ester marks at Worthy Park in terms of production? In what ways are they similar? In in what ways is it different there? All right, so for, for high serums, the, the most important part um, for high serums, um, from my experience at least, is the need to introduce um, additional acids to your fermentation because it's, that, um, it's the addition of those um, acids that help to convert the alcohol into your, into your esters. So each distillery does it differently. Um, as you mentioned, some distilleries use the introduction of Dunda or Muckpits to try to, to bump the, um, the overall acidic nature. Um, but what is common across basically most distilleries that, that are producing mid to high level SROMs is um, very long fermentation times. So it's not just your typical 24 to 36 hours of fermentation and then the batch is ready. We will have vats sitting for weeks upon end 
um, to allow for that additional acid formation to take place. Mm -hmm. So that is pretty much common across all the distilleries. And that's what we employ here at Worthy Park as well. Um, but as you had, as you mentioned, other distilleries will use other methods, but we are good with our long fermentation tanks. <laughs> so, so there's rums that are there uh, fermenting longer than you've been there right now, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. <laughs> I would not be surprised. <laughs> so, so basically, it sounds like it comes down to there. there's a number of ways to to introduce additional acid content into these yes. fermentations and every distillery is going to kind of have its own approaches Only to how they do that. And then obviously time is the other factor as well. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And is it with, with those highest you know, fermentations, is it a pretty standard amount of time? Do you kind of have to like wait and see, are you, me are you measuring it for different, you know, you talked about the, the scientific side of things with um, when you're, when you're monitoring, you know, rum production, you, you send it to the lab, you also taste it yourself. Is the approach to fermentation similar or is it all kind um, of, you know, scent? I don't know if you're tasting it at that point, but. <laughs> fermentation, fermentation is, 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 is very much on the science side. Um, okay. So you do, so we're guided by what, what makes the yeast happy. Okay. <laughs> so that's how I look at it. Whatever makes the yeast happy and whatever conditions that you need to introduce for whatever it is that you want to achieve to thrive. That's basically it. So with or long fermentation, um, what I have found is that you can get an idea after years, you can get an idea to know that, oh, if I have my fermentation sitting down for X amount of time, I can approximately get this amount of esters from, from my distillate. So you do kind of um, see a relationship developing over time. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're using three different types of yeast there, if I remember. Is that correct? Um, that is correct. That's yeah. Correct. And is there is it relatively equal in terms of uh, amounts between those three split? Or is there heavily used one and this one's kind of just a little bit once in a while? I know for sure that um, one strain in particular um, is it's not used every day. That one is kind of like a, a proprietary um, strain mm -hmm. that we have for ourselves here. So that one is not used as regular. While um, or well, the rest of the yeast is pretty much on a daily basis. That, so we have one strain that we kind of gotcha. pull back for special purposes. That's a pretty good answer for two months in, Craig. I gotta say. <laughs> so. We, 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 we took it to you there and you, you, you pulled you've, through. You've got your wits about I try, you. I try to learn. I try to learn. <laughs> so w one of the things that I love about Jamaican rum and, and tasting rum from d various distilleries across the country is the, the country has like, like when you have a Jamaican rum, it has that Jamaican rum kind of signature to it. But at the same time, the, the you know, different rums from different distilleries have their own signature. You know, having a Worthy Park rum is there's a there's a, a, a marked difference between that and having something from Hampton, for example, um, or from yes. Long Pond or Clarendon. So from your perspective, obviously, you've gotten to know some of these distilleries at a level that most consumers never will. Uh, what kind of distinguishes Worthy Park rum for you from other Jamaican rum? What's what's like what what is what is it that gives it that Worthy Parkness when you when you taste the rum? <laughs> All right, um, location, 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 location. That is one of the chief things. Each each distillery, no matter what it is that you do, you can take wash that's been fermented at one distillery and carry it to another to try to distill it, and it's not going to be the same. Mm. You're not going to get the same results. 
because each distillery has its own um, its location. Its terroir is mm-hmm. is very unique. So no matter what, um, where the platforms are always going to have their unique taste. But also the fact that everything about Worthy Park is is truly a single estate. Like from, we have full control over the, the molasses that we use, the, the water, everything is done here. Like there's, everything is controlled on site. So it adds to the overall um, you know, control that we have um, over our product. So it also adds to the consistency that we're looking for from the product that we're getting. I hadn't thought about that, actually. Does that make your life easier as a blender striving for consistency to have that kind of single estate approach? Because I know, um, actually, I don't know off the top of my head, you know, where, where molasses, where all the molasses comes from for, for Clarendon and Long Pond, but I wasn't under the impression that it was, you know, kind of a a single estate to the degree that Worthy Park is, you know, Mm -hmm. controlling the experience from start to finish. Right, because we we are the only distillery that currently uses um our only all our molasses. All our molasses produced at Worthy Park is used at the distillery. Right. All other distilleries um get molasses from from the molasses pool, Caribbean molasses, and so molasses can come from well from here as well, um but also from Frome. But we also have imported molasses from Guatemala, um, Fiji, Honduras. Mexico. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when molasses is being sent to other distilleries, you're not going to have the same molasses always going through right. because you don't know where the molasses is going to be coming from. Here, I know where my molasses is coming from. <laughs> so, and each molasses is different. Like the, the, the sugar content is going to be different. Yep. The ash content is going to be different. So um, the pH plays a, um, mm. plays a role in, in your fermentation, how you're going to treat your ferments, um, stuff like that. So knowing what I have to work with is awesome. <laughs> like, and, and it does make it easier because it also means that I get a better level of consistency of the product that I'm going to be getting from the molasses. Right, yeah. So with Worthy Park being, as we talked about, a, a young distillery in the modern age, but very well known in name, it seems like, and I think you also mentioned this earlier, the first steps with Worthy Park were really to put out a great product and show that the quality is there and you're being competitive with other Jamaicans and other premium rums around the world. And I think it's safe to say at this point that Worthy Park has accomplished that. So... <laughs> What do you think is now shifting into the biggest opportunity for the Worthy Park Distillery and Rums moving forward? I think that um, what makes us unique is the versatility um, in the products that we are able to put out. And we're not just tied down, for example, to one set rum. See, like we are only going to produce Worthy Park Gold um, or Select, or we're only going to produce Rum Bar or Overproof Rum we have the opportunity and the chance to really broaden our horizons and give out so many different types of rooms for so many different types of uh, markets and different consumers. So I think that is the where the strength of order part lies um, in terms of moving forward in the future and what it is that we can put out. We, we, we have the versatility. We have the team here that is equipped to do it and we are ready to do it. And speaking of versatility... Actually, Um, one of the things I have looked on uh, from afar 
here in my sad Miami home as I see <laughs> all of these special cask releases, finished releases in the European market available. Damn Marsala, Quattro Vans, and yes, all of these amazing, Oloroso, and all these ones that I'm like, oh my God, I need those in my life, and why are they not available <sighs> here? Is there any plans for you all to expand upon that a little bit or continue that, those special cask releases, and maybe get some over to here by, by the way before you answer yeah. i will say i know that we don't make it easy on you getting no, sure. into we the certainly States. don't so so we can't put all the blame on uh on, or any of the blame on worthy park what what i will say is that there is always room for growth and we are always looking <laughs> to grow in markets i will leave it at that we are always looking to grow in different markets so just be on the lookout <laughs> this market needs growth craig we need some growth. Believe me, believe me. Um, we are well aware. We are well aware, and we want we want to give you good rum. We want to give you good rum. You're going to get it. Don't worry. Oh, you're right. going to right. get some good rum. Okay. You're going to get some good rum. I'll say that. That's a a, a promise that that gives me hope. So. Um, <laughs> So when we had, you know, one thing I always like to ask or or give producers the opportunity to share is just kind of like anything going on right now that's particularly exciting to you that 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 people might not know about yet. I know, and and maybe not even necessarily products and things like that. But for example, when when Zan was on, you know, he talked a lot about kind of a spirit of experimentation and trying different things at Worthy Park. And you know, he mentioned back then cane juice fermentations is one of the the things he was excited (laughs) about at the time. Can you speak at all, you know, to, to the status of any fun experiments or, or projects that might be going on behind the scenes? Um, it's it's actually funny you mentioned um, the cane juice distillate because I was actually just having a conversation with Zan, you know what, a week ago or so, okay. that I, I can't wait to see how that cane juice distillate is doing because we have, we have some aging. So that's going to be something I'm going to be looking at. Does the cane juice (laughs) distillate, does that play into any of the existing marks or is that just kind of a new thing that hasn't even really been named yet? Just a new thing for now. Just a new okay. Thing. Well, I know. So, I know. We'll see you what know, we can do with it. Many of the other distilleries, they have marks that are are named after initials, names, and things like that. So maybe this can be the 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 Craig Nicholson, the CN, <laughs> uh, the CN mark, WPCN. Um, I I wouldn't claim this one, but who knows? In maybe the future, one in the future. <laughs> yeah, in the future. <laughs> Well, Craig, I know you have listened to the show before. You've listened to Zan's episode. You are aware of our tradition. We like to end every episode with sort of a rapid fire segment of questions. Uh, This is a segment controlled by John and his mad scientist brain down there in Miami. <laughs> it's part science and part art, Will. Exactly. There just like, just like blending. Um, so if you're, if you're up for the challenge now, um, I'll, I'll leave that to John. Um, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you do have a lot to live up to because Zam was pretty darn good at Zan this. Zam did a so. great job with it. <sighs> yeah. I'll yep. try. I'll try. All right. Okay. I know we know you're going to give it your best, and and uh, so we we look forward to that. Will you got the time for us? I've got I've got uh, sixty seconds on my iPhone stopwatch right here, and whenever you're ready, go. All right. Neat or on the rocks? Neat. Uh, I think you answered that one. Column pot <laughs> or blend? Pot. You better say pot in this case. That's right. Aged <laughs> or unaged? Aged. All right. Molasses or cane juice? Hmm. Molasses. Your favorite Jamaican rum right now? Ah, mm, wow. Oh, Lord. Um, 
Ooh. Just say Worthy Park. One on nine. One on nine. <laughs> okay, okay. Nine. That's good. Your, your favorite non-Jamaican rum right now. That one's tougher. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Anything from Foursquare. Okay. The Worthy <laughs> Always Park a good one, answer. That is, yeah. The Worthy Park 109 had a different name originally, which we will not utter here for fear of nasty lawyers coming to get us <laughs> in our sleep. But can you confirm or deny that Worthy Park once considered naming the 109 Cannon Dust instead? <laughs> I can either confirm or deny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> what dessert goes best with a glass of Worthy Park neat? Ooh, banana bread. All right. Yeah, banana Are bread. You, Classic. Yes. Yeah, it makes sense. Are you, in fact, related to Jack Nicholson? I wish I was. <laughs> <laughs> can we can we do a quick thing? All right, I, I want to say I want the proof, and you tell me you can't handle the proof. Ready? I want the proof, Craig. You can't handle the proof. There yes, <laughs> exactly. Fully committed to that. All right. All Perfect. Right. That's time, by the way. We went a little over, but I knew we had to get to you can't handle the proof. How could we pass that up? <laughs> Awesome. Well done, sir. Well done. Yeah, well done. I think you lived up to Zan there. Zan, Zan got, set, yeah. set a high bar, but I think you you lived up to it there. So, um, I Craig, this has been great. I, I think there's so much to be excited about right now with Worthy Park. Consumers across the world have already gotten to experience so much great rum from Worthy Park. But as you know, we've heard today, there's so much more uh, to come in the coming years and your fingerprints will be on it. So I think people will be excited about that. And also I hope everyone who's out there on those Facebook message boards and everything like that. I know people can get a little nasty on those things. So I hope that you took note. <laughs> Craig, Craig is, he, he's, you know, the people making this stuff are keeping an eye out there. So, so right. just think about that. You know, the next time you're, you're, you're going to, you know, get, get, get a hot takeoff on ministry of rum Facebook board or something like that. Just keep in mind. Um, but Craig, this has been great. It, before we go, anything else to share? Uh, I know we just kind of touched on, you know, exciting things at Worthy Park, but in, anything we didn't get to or missed during uh, our hour together? No, I think we pretty much covered everything. Um, I just want to thank you all for giving me the opportunity. I'm a, I, I always say I'm a, I'm a young guy trying to make a, make some moves in the rum industry and um, just looking to make my mark. And I also want to give a shout out to, to Maggie, Yes, Maggie yes. Campbell. Yes, um, she she was one that actually got me introduced to Zan. You know, oh, wow. so yes, yes. So she's just everywhere. So she, to my, she yeah. is making she connections. Is. <laughs> um, yeah, I, Maggie was the one who uh, mentioned to me. She was like, "You guys have to get Craig Nicholson on the podcast sometime." <laughs> Here we go. I, it, I I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, that that's how this all started. So I I always love you know hearing how you know we talk so much about how rum is a global spirit and it truly is it's made all over the world but at the same time it's kind of like a small world when you know people yes you talk to mm. people in it people know each other um people a lot of the time in my experience speak very highly there's a lot of respect I, that may not be universal but it's it's always really cool to see that so, you know great yes. great rum makers admiring each other so that's that's great the rum family the rum family exactly yes. that's the best way to put it um, well, thanks again, Craig. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks for having yeah, me. Thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to at, at at some point. I know I'm getting myself to Worthy Park. Uh, you know, when when travel is a little easier. So hopefully, I'll get yeah. to 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 have some rum with with you and Zan and and the whole crew. We're looking pick forward me up to along it, the way. Yeah. I'll, I'll pick you. Yeah, I'll stop in Miami <laughs> and then yeah, we'll we'll go from there. 
All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Rumcast. Thanks to Craig Nicholson again for joining us. And hey, if you see any bottles of any of that new Worthy Park stuff we mentioned, the 109, any of the other releases, let us know what you think about them. We'd love to hear. John and I are both eager to try those ourselves. But in the meantime, we will settle for your reactions as we uh, strive to get our own bottles out there from the rum wilderness. And also on that note, I've seen a few pictures around the, uh, the, the interwebs these days. We've been getting some messages from people who have gotten their hands on the Holmes Key Rumcast Fiji release, which is awesome. Yes. We've been getting some really great feedback uh, about that, which is so cool to see. And so if you've picked up a bottle of that, again, let us know. You can send us an email, host at rumcast.com, or you can find us on social media. John, what are our accounts again? On social media, we are at The Rumcast on either Facebook and or Instagram. And we love seeing those pictures, like Will mentioned. Definitely send more of those, especially the mixed drinks. So I've seen a couple now, and I've seen a lot of people say that they've reserved like half their bottle for sipping and then half their bottle for their mixed drink creations. Yeah. So I'm hoping to see a little bit more of uh, what people are doing with it so then I can try that myself. Unfortunately, I I consider myself a creative person, Will, but when it comes to drinks and uh, mixology, not so much. I think so it's just laziness. I, I think you're hiding. You're you're high. You're using ineptitude as as an uh, and self-deprecation as an excuse to hide your own laziness. You found me out, Will. Oh, <laughs> I'm like so, a disappointed uh, dad right now. Yeah, but we do want to see all of your creations, and we do want to hear from you all. In who else we need to talk to? What yes. other subjects we need to cover in the rum world? Let us know. And thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it, and we love it, and we love you you guys and we love talking about rum so much that we just want to keep doing it so thank you all for the feedback please continue to give that feedback and we will see you next time talk to you then 